0: In the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit one god amen our bible study tonight psalm 42. each psalm has a title and this psalm is titled to the chief musicians a contemplation of the sons of korah chief musician can either be the Lord Jesus Christ or the person in charge of the music. So this actually uh, psalm was written with certain instruction to the choir who actually were playing the music. And the Jews divided the book of Psalms into five sections or five books but there is no knowledge of when they were divided into five books. The first book from Psalm 1 to 41. Psalm 42, the psalm that we'll study tonight, is the first psalm of book two. In book two of psalms, David authored more than half of the psalms. But now we will see in book two, Other psalmists appear like Asaph, sons of Korah, and King Solomon. Who are the sons of Korah? Because it's written here a contemplation of the sons of Korah. They were Levites from the family of Kohat. And by David's time, it seems. They serve it in the musical aspect of the temple worship, as we read in Second Chronicles, chapter 20 and verse 19. Korah, their father, led a rebellion of 250 community leaders against Moses during the wilderness days of Exodus, as we read in Numbers chapter 16. And God judged Korah and his leaders, and they all died. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed all of them. But the sons of Korah remained, as we read in Numbers 26, from verse 9 to 11. Since it is in the title, it is said, a contemplation of the sons of Korah, some scholars claim that the sons of Korah wrote this psalm. But although David's name is not mentioned as author, this psalm bears the characters of David's style and experience. So the author of this psalm is David, not the sons of Korah. So this psalm was written by David, but was directed for the sons of Korah to sing, to chant this song for the sons of Korah were not the authors of it as some have thought. David himself is the one who composed this song and it seems to have been written by him not actually as representing, as representing the captives in Babylon when he said, in the land of Jordan, as we're going to see in the psalm. But David wrote this psalm on his account when he was persecuted by King Saul and driven out by men from abiding in the Lord's tabernacle or the Lord's inheritance and was in a strange land among the Gentiles, among the heathen where he was reproached by them. And everything in this psalm agrees with David's state and condition. Or maybe this psalm was composed by David when he fled from his son, Absalom, and was in those parts beyond Jordan, as mentioned in this psalm, and also we read about this story in 2 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 24. And according to some, few of the children of Korah were exiled, as we read in Numbers 26, verse 11. In this psalm, actually, there is a singular tense. He said, My soul, not our soul. So if this psalm was written by the children of Korah, they would have said, Our souls, but it is singular. And according to St. Augustine, sons of Korah are symbol of all the Christian, the children of God. Because according to Augustine, Korah is equivalent to Calvary, Calvary where the Lord was actually crucified. So St. Augustine says, Now Korah may have been as indeed he was a certain definite person. So, Augustine says Korah is a real person and have had sons who might be called the sons of Korah. Then Augustine is saying, let us, however, search for the secret of which this is a sacrament. Why this son is composed to the children of Korah For understanding, for contemplation. This is that this name may bring to light the mystery with which it is meaningful. For there is some great mystery in the matter that the name sons of Korah is given to the Christian. So we the Christian are the sons of Korah, according to Augustine. Why? Why Christians are called sons of Korah? He says, We are the sons of the bridegroom sons of Christ, because Korah stands for Christ since Korah is equivalent to Calvary. Therefore, the sons of the Bridegroom, the sons of Calvary, the sons of Passion, the sons redeemed by His blood, the sons of His cross, who bear on their forehead that which His enemies erected on Calvary. We bear the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are called sons of Korah. And to them, this psalm is enchanted. A psalm for understanding, for contemplation. That's the title. To the sons of of Korah for contemplation. To reflect on this psalm and to understand Many believe that Psalm 42 and 43 are one Psalm consisting of three equal uh, parts and each end with the same refrain, the same refrain which is Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me, hoping God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. That's verse five. The same verse again in verse 11, why are you cast down O my soul and why are you disquieted within me? And in Psalm 43, the last verse, why are you cast down O my soul and why are you disquited within me? So some say this two Psalms are one Psalm, three sections and each section actually after five verses End with the same refrain And They are similar in terms Of style, subject and In tone And also The absence of a title To Psalm 43 Made many believe that these two Psalms Are actually one Psalm And according to some early Church fathers, this Psalm Is the voice of men of Old Covenant who had a strong thirst to encounter the Savior. They were waiting thirsty for the coming of the Savior. So in their spiritual strife, they were like deer running toward the water brooks. Namely, what are the water brooks? The fountains of prophecies saying, why are you cast down, O my soul? They looking for the Savior, hoping for the coming of the Lord, for he will surely come to realize their salvation and to fill them with joy and peace. This psalm is a lamentation of a soul, of someone whose external circumstances are oppressing. We can see in verses 3 and verse 10, and the whole psalm there is internal emotion of depression, and turmoil, but also there is hope in God as we read in verse 5 and verse 11. This one is short, just 11 verses. From verse 1 to 5, deep distress and longing for God. From 6 to 11, tribulation, confusion, and hope. So let's start by verse 1. As the deer pants for the water brooks. So pants my soul for you, O God. Here the psalmist began with a powerful image, a deer aching with thirst. And the word pants is a strong word. Express that eagerness, fervency of desire, which is extreme thirst. So this deer is so thirsty, It denotes the cry of the heart, when in distress of water and pants after it. This thirst is either a natural thirst for the deer, I'm speaking of the deers, or because of the heat of the summer season, especially when the deers are hunted by predators, so they run to the rivers of water, partly to make their escape, and partly to quench their thirst and refresh themselves. So here the deer longed for and needed water. In the same way the psalmist is saying his soul longed for and needed God. The thirsting deer is the symbol of the praying person. Who tends with his whole being, body and soul toward the Lord, who seems distant, God seems distant, yet very much needed. It is a soul in desperation that pants for after God. It is the thirsty panting weary soul that in recognizing their spiritual lack is overwhelmed with a deep Craving for God's stream of living water So the psalmist say As the deer pants for the water brooks, In the same way my soul pants for you, O God A person can go many days without food But thirst shows an even more urgent need You cannot actually stay without drinking water more than maximum three days. What makes this so beautiful is that he is not thirsty for relief from threatening circumstances. He is not thirsty to run away from his enemies. He is not thirsty for their destruction. He is not thirsty after vain, useless idols but he is thirsty after the only true and living God So he he did not say, I am thirsty to deliver me from tribulations I am thirsty to destroy my enemies I am thirsty to give me these material or temporal gifts but he is thirsty for God because God is his life and length of his days So in verse 2, he said, My soul thirsts for God, for God himself, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? I am longing for this moment to come and appear before God. David, when he ran away, either from King Saul or from his son Absalom, he felt separation from the tabernacle, from the church and its services. So, this was like he was detached and separated from God himself. Now his soul is thirsty for the living God. The title living God occurs twice in the book of Psalm, here and in Psalm 84 verse 2. But this title living God is a familiar title to David. We find it first in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 26. Then it's repeated several times in the Old Testament in Joshua, in 2 Kings, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Hosea. Living God expresses the essential attribute of God, that He is the eternal life. He is the eternal life. David is longing where I will appear before God. Not merely in the temple, not merely to go to the church, but in fellowship, continuous fellowship, with God himself. Origin explained, scholar Origin explained that the human search for God is a never-ending venture. Because progress is ever possible and necessary. What does this mean? In one of his homilies on the book of Numbers' scholar, Origen said, Those who make their journey on the road to seek God's wisdom do not build permanent homes, but mobile tents. For they are in constant movement, covering new grounds. And the further they go, the more the road they lies ahead of them opens up, presenting a horizon lost in amnesty. Meaning what? You know, as the in the Beatitude the Lord said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirsty for righteousness. So a person who is hungry for the Lord, once he is satisfied, he doesn't build a, a, a home, permanent home, but it's a tent. Because once he is satisfied, another horizon opened before him, another land open before him. So, he is longing for this extra, and once he is satisfied by this extra, another horizon opens before him, and so on. That's why he said, it is a continuous progress, because God is infinite. So, a person who is growing with God, he will never be satisfied. He will be longing for more and more and more satisfaction with God Verse 3 Because he felt separation from God In the land of his estrangement He was crying He said my tears have been my food day and night While they continually say to me Where is your God? When David ran away from King Saul or from Absalom in, in the Jordan and was hiding there, the enemies told him, where is your God? Why God did not deliver you? And how he responded, he felt a detachment, he felt abandoned. So he was crying, his tears became his food day and night. So the psalmist was discouraged to the point of crying day and night. These tears can perhaps dem- demonstrate the grief that made the psalmist long for in God. And they showed the psalmist's grief over the perceived distance from God. When he perceived that God is distant from him, he could not endure it. David's grief at being separated from God's presence is intensified by the reproaches of his enemies when they told him, where is your God? So, making the problem worse was being in the company of his enemies. Those wanted to discourage him. They wanted to make him feel that at his moment of need, when David needs God, God was nowhere to be found. Also, something else David remembered. As we read in verse 4. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. What did he remember? For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. With the voice of joy and praise was a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. So he remembered how he used with many, many people to celebrate feasts in the temple of God, and when he remembers this, he pours out my soul within himself. So the remembering of happier time made the psalmist more sorrowful and desolate. The thought of the times of joyful worship at the house of God, and now he felt so distant from these good days, the house of God with its service is the temple of Jerusalem. It is also the center of intimacy with God, as we read in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, the fountain of living waters. So the joyful prayer of past time during feasts, raised to the Lord during worship in the temple, is now replaced by weeping lamentation, supplication, that's why he said I pour out my soul within me But this remembrance actually that he mentioned in verse 4 helped him when he remembered the good days Some people have the habit of remembering only bad things But here the psalmist is showing us that memory, this good memory of the happiest day can be important aid by remembering positive experiences of God's blessing. That's why in verse five, you will see the tone changed it into a tone of hope after he was crying. And according to St. John Chrysostom, the remembrance of God's past dealing with us is a support for us in the present time. When I remember how God blessed me in the past, This will support me. St. John Chrysostom says, Not remembering God as we should, so when we remember only what's negative, and not bearing him in our minds continuously, cause things to appear more difficult. For he will surely say to us, God will say to us, As you have forgotten me, I shall likewise forget you. How great is God's remembrance for us and our remembrance of Him? When we remember God and God remembers us, this actually will encourage us and motivate us. That's why when he remembered these good days, I used to go with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. So in verse 5, he starts to address himself. And he said, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. God was good to you in the past. Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. I am confident that he will help me. He will get me out of this trouble. So why are you cast down? Why are you crying? Hope in God. So, we can see how David is fighting for hope. That remembrance of what things used to be and the fact that God is a living God, uh, these realities made David to express confidence in God and to praise him in verse 5. He is not surrendering to the emotions of discouragement. But he challenged this feeling of spiritual depression and discouragement And brought this feeling into the presence of God And he said to this feeling To those cast down and squitted feeling Hoping God God will come Again As he came before So Yes, there are valid reasons For this discouragement. But there are more reasons for hope. Reasons for discouragement. Distance from home. Distance from the house of God. The mocking of the non-believers. Memories of better days. All these are for David not good enough reasons to cast it down. When he thinks about the greatness of God. And the help of his presence. The living God. So in his discouragement, he spoke to himself. He did not feel filled with praise at the moment. That's why he said in the future, now I cannot praise, hoping God for I shall yet in the future, praise him for the help of his countenance. Yes, now I cannot start praising God at this moment, but I am confident that as he did, that as he did what he could to direct his hope in God, once David directed his hope in God, so he is confident that this praise will come in the future. For I shall yet praise him, praise God, for the help of his countenance. So David now understood that the answers were not within himself. The answer of this question, where is your God? Then... Where is your God? The answer is not to look at within himself, but to look up to God. He did not look within, but he looked up to God. Verse 6. Now, he turned it into a prayer. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the land of estrangement and from the heights of Harmon, from the hill Mizar. So, it is common tendency in such difficult time for most of us to stay away from God. When we go through a difficult time, we stop coming to the church, we stop praying to stay away from God. But David actually teaches us a different lesson. So, his cast down soul, he directed to God. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. So, his own feeling overwhelmed him. That's f- therefore, he must turn to God, whose goodness he can call to mind. Who can deliver me from this depression? Who can deliver me from this dis- uh, uh, discouragement? Only God. He described the places from which he speaks He said, now I remember you in the land of Jordan, Harmon where Jordan rises from the roots of Harmon This explains why he was so far from the house of God because he is in Jordan, house God was in Jerusalem and could not appear at the tabernacle or the temple and Mount Mizar that he mentioned here is a small mountain near to Harmon. You can see here how David is overcome with grief while he is forced to hide himself in the wilderness beyond Jordan and wander up and down on these solitary mountains far distant from the church, from the tabernacle. So in order for him to revive his weary spirit, he will remember God from the land of Jordan So he said, therefore I will remember you from the land of Jordan. He will consider God's infinite mercy and power and faithfulness and his gracious presence in the sanctuary from whence he hears and answers all those who call upon him. So while he was in the land of uh, Jordan, he remembers God's mercy, God's love, God's compassion, where in the sanctuary God listens and answers all those who call uh, him. Saint Augustine says, if you would also ask the meaning of the names, here there are some names, Jordan, Harmon, and Mizar. Usually Augustine like to look deep at names, like he looked at Korah and said Korah, uh, like Calvary. So he said, Jordan means their descent. So Augustine said, Descent then that thou might be lifted up. When we humble ourselves, God will lift us up. Not be lifted up, don't be prideful, lest thou be cast down. And the little hill of Harmon, Harmon means anathema. So, San Augustine is saying, Anathematize yourself by being displeased with yourself. So, we should not be uh, arrogant about ourselves. Because if you are pleased with yourself, God will be displeased with you. If you are arrogant, God will be displeased with you. But when actually we are displeased with ourselves, God will be pleased with us. Because then God gives us all good things, for He Himself is good. God will give us good things not because worthy of it, but because He is merciful. Not because we have in anything deserved. It is from the land of Jordan, from Harmon, that I remember thee. When I am displeased with myself, when I am in, in my lowliness, descent. I will remember thee, so you can lift me up and you will be, disple- will be pleased with me. Because he so remembers with humility, David remember himself from Jordan and uh, Harmon with humility, he shall earn his exaltation or fru- uh, to fruitation. So God will exalt him. He is not exalted in himself, but he glories in God. Verse 7, deep calls unto deep At the noise of your waterfalls All your waves and bellows have gone over me So these are the tribulation and hardships One after one, deep calls unto deep So he means here the affliction Like deep water of the sea for their multitude and overwhelming nature. So one wave of water hit me, other wave of water hit me, deep calls unto me at the noise of your waterfalls. These come pouring down one after another. As soon one affliction is over, another came, like in the story of Job. So the psalmist is overwhelmed with a flood of hardships. St. Augustine says, Deep calls unto deep can be understood as wisdom or understanding, deep understanding. But the metaphorical language here is derived from the surrounding scenery. The floods and whirlpools pools of the Jordan suggest the waves of adversity which have gone over his head. And the roar of waterfalls calling to one another from opposite sides of the valley is like the voice of one depth of the water calling another to come out and join in overwhelming David with all this affliction. This was the condition of the people of the old when God brought over, over them the Assyrian. And before the Assyrian leaves, the Chaldeans came to chasten them. The same words that David mentioned here, all your waves and billows have gone over me, were said by Jonah. This was the case of Jonah fleeing from the face of God. We read in Jonah chapter 2, verse 3, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me, all your billows and your waves passed over me. Verse 8 The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime And in the night his song shall be with me A prayer to the God of my life So despite all these present woes All these afflictions God will at some time command his loving kindness To make itself apparent So David was confident that the loving kindness of God will, will come to him in the midst of his discouragement, he affirms God's sovereign love for him. Yes, at the end of verse seven, he said, all your waves and billows has come over me. But David never stops believing in the absolute sovereignty of God over all these adversities. So the Psalmist here came into a place of greater confidence. He is secure in God's goodness to him in daytime and also in night. In the awful night, how David will comfort himself? He will actually comfort himself to take the song of God with him, as he said, and in night his song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. That's how he comforted himself. In the night his song shall be with me, signifying that he strongly believed he should have occasion of singing praises to God in the night season. Though he was now in such mournful circumstances, but he will sing the song of God. And he called it God's song because the matter of this song is the subject of this song, his loving kindness the blessing coming from God to me. The Lord Himself is the subject of the song because He gives the songs at night and puts them into the mouths of His people. Not only that, but in verse 9, He said, I will say to God, my rock. See, in, in the middle of all this affliction, He calls God my rock, and I will say to Him, Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? So the psalmist has the confidence to call God his rock. Rock means place of security, stability, strength. David regarded God as his rock that he could pour out his soul before him so uh, honestly. But he will find stability, steadfastness, strength in God. God is his defense, his helper, his savior. So the psalmist senses God sustaining him. Yes, the battle is not over, but God is with me. The battle is not over, that's why he is expressing his feeling honestly to God and said to him, Why have you forgotten me? It feels as if God has forgotten David. St. Augustine said these words Are the same words of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? So there is constant oppression of the enemy Which increases and adds to his calamities The reproaches of his enemies were grievous, cutting to him, as if a sword pierced through the marrow in his bone and gave intense pain. That's why in verse 10 he said, As with a breaking of my bones, so the oppression, the reproaches of his enemies, as if they broke his bone. My enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? So when his enemies said to him, Where is your God? This felt as his bone was breaking Cruel mockeries cut deeper than the flesh They reached the soul Their mock and sneer Where is your God? Continued from them Such was the evil of David's enemies They said to him all day long And repeated to him for the length of a time Where is your God? All day long all day long, and every day. Their argument, the argument of his enemies, was, if David was truly the friend of God, God would not leave him. The fact that he is abandoned proved that he is not a friend of God. And as the oppression of the enemy continued, But the psalmist continued to speak to himself and challenged his own sense of discouragement. That's why he repeated again in verse 11, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me, hoping God? For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. So David did not give in, but he challenged his sense of discouragement. Uh, so the idea is that of being bowed down when he said why are you cast down so as if his soul bowed down his soul is sad, deeply affected as one forsaken by God and we can see the words of verse 5 repeated here because these are important words the psalmist need to keep hope in God and keep confidence that at the end he will praise him I will, shall yet praise him so we learn here from David we should not surrender to the emotion of discouragement but we need to fight back God is faithful God is love so there is a reason for hope here David is saying as God formerly was and as God still is and as God will ever be. So, assuredly, God will show Himself to be my God. Although for a season, God may hide His face from me, or withdraw His help from me, but He will come again and lift my face up. That's why He said, the help of my countenance. God is the help of my countenance. What does it mean God is the help of my countenance? Our physical health is seen on face. In the same way, our spiritual health also can be seen on our countenance, our faith. So, when God, the Son of Righteousness, shines upon us by His gracious presence, God will make our countenance cheerful. God will fill our hearts with great joy and cause us to lift up their head with a holy boldness and confidence without shame or fear so david was growing in confidence and was able bravely to reply to the question where is your god god will shine one time again on me and he will lift up my face and my countenance again this actually conclude psalm 42. 42 from the book of psalms glory be to god forever and ever Amen.